1: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, do you know what it is? Yep, it is finally Friday. Woohoo! I love it. We are so close to the draft. In fact, two weeks from now, we are going to be talking about who the Steelers just selected in the NFL draft. And we love talking to our Steelers. We know you love listening to the Steelers. And make sure you're here for Steel Curtain Network, a part of Fans First Network for all of your Pittsburgh Steeler needs. There's going to be more and more information coming up, like breaking news. And when there's breaking news, we have it here. And we have breaking news. But before we do that, let's tell you who we are. This is Here We Go, the Steelers Show. KT Smith is here, the host of the call sheet on FFSN's football feed, National Football League feed, the coach Kevin is here. He's uh he's bringing the science. What's up Kevin?
2: <laughs> bringing the science on a beautiful beautiful day here in April, 80 degree weather on the East Coast, nothing nothing better than that. So very happy to be with you and excited to to get some breaking news. You you, you and I were saying before the show, we don't get the opportunity to do that very often and uh, but here we are right now, and this is this is going to be cool. So I'll let you have at it. Right before we were about to
1: hit record, and by the way, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. I didn't tell you that either. And uh, Kevin, let me tell you the breaking news first. Today is my 16th wedding anniversary. Oh, yes, happily that, married for 16 years. And I, that was the buildup.
2: That was the buildup that, build yeah, that we yeah, were, all, all, so the, all the fans were waiting for. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that, i don't think that's enough so let's let's try this do you remember i if i'm not mistaken it was 2020 and just like this year's draft we have those guys those draft darlings that we everybody wants in the third or fourth round and then but they're not hidden gems and so someone else seems to grab them a whole lot sooner like i remember There was a kid named Anthony Schwartz just like two years ago that I was completely in love with. Like the Steelers have got to get this guy. The Cleveland Browns got him. And I don't think he's been heard from since Hmm. they got him in the third round. Well, there was a guy that's a specialty, a linebacker and a special teams ace that, was the guy that was was uh, kind of the darling that everybody thought that they would go after this guy, but they went with Alex Highsmith at linebacker in the third round. And lo and behold, this player went to the Raiders not too far after that. And his name was
2: Tanner Muse. Remember Tanner Muse? I believe Clemson? Clemson, yeah, absolutely. part of the uh, national championship team there that they had good, good. Uh... Really good college player and a a high-energy guy and a huge behind-the-steel-curtain draft darling. Oh, we loved this guy, and we were all bummed when
1: he got drafted. Well, here's the news that we're looking at, and this is being reported by Tom Pellicero. Standout special teamer and linebacker Tanner Muse plans to sign with the hashtag Steelers per source. One-time third-round pick by the Raiders. Muse played in every game last season for Seattle. That's good news. That, that's the big part of it right there, the fact that he played every game last year.
2: Correct. And uh, special teams standout is really interesting because we know the Steelers have their starting inside linebackers, uh, the the two signings, um, Landon Roberts and, and Cole Holcomb, but they still need some depth at the position. Marcus Allen is, uh, well now certainly not coming back. Um, and they, and they have some, some of their better special teams players who are, uh, unsigned free agents. You think about, uh, Derek Watt, you think about, um, the receiver miles Boykin, you think about Benny Snell, right? Yeah. You got those three guys. Um, and so Tanner Muse adds some quality special teams play and and may lessen the the likelihood that one, two, or even all three of those guys don't return. So it's a pretty significant signing from a special team standpoint and also from a depth perspective as well. Let me give you a
1: fourth, and this is even more significant, too, because he has a safety next to his name. And even though Muse is a linebacker, he was kind of a linebacker safety hybrid. And that would be Carl Joseph as well.
2: Correct. So another player whose return seems doubtful. And that's interesting that you mentioned the the hybrid there. It it it'll be very interesting to see what the Steelers do with the uh, to in order to replace Terrell Edmonds. And right is is, are they going to plug Cam O'Neill into that role uh, exclusively, or may they mix and match and try to experiment with some packages? And it would be very interesting to see if they if they use Tanner Muse there a little bit to to be the I don't want to call him a box safety, but to be the guy who uh, takes on some of the responsibility that Edmonds previously occupied.
1: Well, what do you feel that how significant of a signing is this, Kevin? And the reason I ask you that is because you know we see guys like uh, Brayden Fajoco. We see uh, Armon Watts, who just came in. Le- Is it, was it Armon Watts? Did yep, I get that Armon, correct? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Watts, who just came in at the beginning of the week. We were just discussing last night on the preview. Are the Steelers going to sign somebody else in the meantime? And, you know, in the next two weeks before the draft. And I said, definitely, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave was... I can't remember Dave's answer. Dave pro- probably gave a Dave answer saying that well they could or they couldn't in this situation this situation this situation. So I was thinking yeah they're definitely going to bring somebody else in but it's not going to be a significant signing. Where is this on the significant signings though because he's he
2: kind of fills some needs here. He sure does. I don't I think it's easy sometimes to overlook the impact special teams has on a football game. And if the Steelers don't wind up bringing back Snell or Boykin, uh, then they will have lost uh, significant contributors on their special teams, and and this guy's an ace. Uh, but it also fits the mo of what the Steelers have been doing in the free agency period. If you think about it, they, their stars are in place. They've got their big name guys on both sides of the ball. They've got their Najee Harris and Kenny Pickett and Pat Fryermuth, et cetera, on one side, and Hayward and. Fitzpatrick and 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 Watt on the other they've been rounding out the roster though with these overachiever type players guys who are not big names many of whom were overlooked in the draft or were drafted late but have established themselves in the NFL because of their work ethic their attitude their their hustle these are like you know what we call glue guys right the kind of guys that that provide the glue that holds a team together You, you know you think about Roberts, a sixth-round pick taken by the Patriots, wins the Super Bowl. A couple Super Bowls there. Schooled in the Patriots' way. You think about Holcomb, fifth-round pick who becomes a team captain in Washington. You think about Herbig, uh, undrafted free agent who becomes a starter in the league based upon just his his attitude, his effort. Now, they've been they've been bringing in guys like that, guys who they know are going to get you're going to get the absolute very best. Uh, great teammates, great attitudes cerebral, coachable. And I think that this is really what the Steelers want to do on the on the edges of the roster, so to speak, or or at least the edges of the starting lineup is surround their superstars with with great team players. So I really like their approach in free agency from that perspective. I
1: absolutely do as well. I man, we we found this out maybe seconds before we were about to hit record on this. And so when that happens, we regrouped and we talked for about 10 more minutes and just got all our eggs in one basket and figured it out. But it's really funny. This show was supposed to be called and still is called how quickly the Steelers reshaped the roster. And we're talking about who they signed, who they brought in, who they let go, all of that. And that that fits perfectly with the fact that what we've already talked about with Guys that were blowing in the wind, like a Miles Boykin and a Benny Snell. And you mentioned that this this might make for them not to come back now because you're wondering about a Carl Joseph. You're wondering about a Derek Watt. So this is very significant to what we are planning for the show as well. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about those players that were brought in and how everything was reshaped, because this is a completely different team than what you saw on paper In February. We'll be back right after this on Fans First Sports Network. It's the Still Curtain Network, and here we go The Steelers Show. man you've ever seen. There I am on the subway train. The, girls the subway train is getting closer and closer to Kansas City, where the NFL draft will be in 13 days from now. The Pittsburgh Steelers are reshaping their roster, and Kevin, like we said before, it looks a whole lot different than it did just in late February.
2: Right. It's a long list of of free agent signings. When when you start to put it down on paper, it might not seem that way because there's not a really huge splashy signing. You get Patrick Peterson on the first day of free agency, uh, and that's the biggest name. But boy, there have been a lot of guys added to this roster. And I think that what the Steelers have done in free agency is really telling... When you consider the draft uh, coming up, because because what the Steelers have done is they have positioned themselves to to really focus on certain areas if they choose not not out of need, not out of desperation, not not in a situation where you know they're going to take this. Like we knew they were going to take a running back two years ago. We knew they were going to take quarterback last year. Um, they're not in that position, but they're in a position now where they've fortified certain aspects of the roster so that they can shift their focus in the draft to other areas. And and they've done a great job from that perspective. So it's it's really interesting now as we start to go through this, when we look at, at, at what they've done specifically and what they might target in the draft. That's very true, Kevin. So
1: what is the most significant signing and change besides Patrick
2: Peterson to you? Is it Isaac Samalo? So if we look at the offensive side of the ball, say AMALO absolutely, he's the best player that they signed in free agency. No, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Look what they've done on the on the O-line, right? They've they brought in Sayamalo, they brought in Herbig, they've signed La Clark is depth. Uh, they lost JC Hassanauer, but everybody, every the rest of that line for the most part returns intact. They have their starting five back from last year and they've added three. Uh, really good depth players, right? And say Amala won't be a depth player. He'll be a starter. Uh, There's a lot of focus on the O-line and a lot of talk about the Steelers drafting an offensive tackle at number 17 or maybe at number 32. And while that obviously is still in play, especially the tackle position, they don't need to take a guy Uh, that high in the draft. They don't need to take a tackle at 17. They don't even need to take one at 32. They've got their, they're better right now on the offensive line than they were when the season ended last year. And the fact that they, that they don't need to take an offensive lineman is really important. When you consider that, that for example, at 17, you've got these three O tackles who all seem to be sought after You have Paris Johnson, you got the Skoronsky kid from Northwestern, who I don't necessarily think is an offensive tackle, quite honestly. And then the guy that ever, yeah, me too. I I think that that's where he, he translates and then more so. And then the guy who's really rising up on the boards is Broderick Jones from Georgia. And there seems to be a pretty strong consensus that, that those three guys will probably be gone by the time the Steelers pick at 17 and what they've done in free agency doesn't make that a disaster. I I think, when the season ended people were were of the mindset that like oh they got to get an o lineman with their with their number one pick well they don't have to do that right now so it's been a valuable free agency period for them up front what
1: about Darnell Wright where do you consider him because i was considering him actually
2: top tier at one point yeah i like him a lot too uh, i i think that he fits the profile of what the steelers want in offensive tackle he's long uh, he can play both sides of the ball. He played over. He played right tackle at Tennessee this past year, but he moved there voluntarily to help the team from the left tackle spot. Left tackle is a little bit more of the rock star position uh, on the O-line than the right tackle. And uh, to, for him to voluntarily move over shows that he's a selfless player. They could take him at 17. If they took him at 17, I think Steelers fans should be happy. He's a really good player who's worthy of falling anywhere in the back half of the first round into the early second round. He might be available at 32. The Steelers might see somebody else they like at 17 and say, we think we can get him at 32. Or maybe he's hanging out there and you get to number 26 or 27 and the Steelers make a little bit of a move to trade up and grab him. But what they've done on the offensive line gives them that flexibility. What about cornerback? You know, I keep on going back to
1: the fact that for me, I think that's a need. Now the Steelers are not desperate and we know they're not desperate and they can get away without picking a corner. But I think the closest to desperation they might be would be at corner, but is inside linebacker, a desperation position. We know safety's not What about edge at this point. Edge is one of those, when you're (laughs) thinking, Hmm, you know, the, uh, the cupboard is, is beautiful with edge, but if uh, the rat gets in the cupboard, there's nothing left
2: to feed the family with. Yeah. I, I agree with you totally about the corner position. I think that if you were ranking their position groups based on need, corner's number one. And they seem to be pretty enamored with Joey Porter Jr. That seems to be a great fit. If he's there at 17, I'd be very surprised if they don't take him. That said... Just like with many of these other position groups, there's other quality corners there at 32 or even at 48 who the Steelers are probably going to have a shot at. So let's say that they get to 17. Joey Porter's not there. Uh, maybe they're not ready to 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 pull the trigger in that spot on the Banks kid from Maryland. But a guy like Lucas Van Ness, the, the edge player from Iowa, is there. Uh, he He just – I don't know if you've seen any – any film on him that kid looks like a Steeler when he plays first of all first of all he's in that Iowa black and gold (laughs) so you know it kind of resembles Pittsburgh to begin with but when you look at him stylistically you just see a Pittsburgh Steeler football player and you know they asked for permission for that right Iowa did with the Steelers
1: yeah Hayden Fry back in the uh, late 70s early 80s asked them if they could emulate their uniforms I mean they were always black and gold, but but Fry went and asked for permission and they've always looked like the Steelers. And I, I remember being a kid turning on a bowl game or on a Saturday and seeing the black and gold and thinking, Oh yeah, the Steelers run and being very disappointed that it
2: was Iowa. <laughs> um, well, it works because they, they sure, they sure do look like them. And, and so many of those Iowa guys play like Steelers. So you have Van Ness, the other guy who, who yeah, we're talking, we were talking about inside linebackers, Again, this is all the flexibility that the Steelers have provided themselves by having such a productive free agency period. Now, let's say let's say you've addressed corner already in the in the first round, and let's say that you've added an, an offensive lineman at pick thirty two, or maybe you've added an edge. And you get to that forty eighth pick, and there there's Jack Campbell, the inside backer from from Iowa. Boy, he would look great in in Pittsburgh black and gold instead of Iowa black and gold. You know, you, you, they need players, obviously, in certain spots, but they don't need them to the point where they have to be desperate in acquiring them, and they can kind of sit back a little bit. So Campbell would be a great addition at, at 48. He's probably going to be off the board in that range somewhere, and I don't think that the Steelers have to panic and make a move uh, just to acquire him or, or somebody like him because they do now have some really interesting So let me ask you this, Kevin.
1: So here's a guy that that I, I want to talk about, and it's Emmanuel Forbes. So let's go back to that scenario again, and the scenario being, say, Joey Porter Jr. Or a great corner, like uh, your guy from Illinois, Devin Witherspoon. Someone like that is available at 17, and they go ahead and pull the trigger on it. They get to 32, they make another pick. No, no matter where it is, you know whatever fits the bill. Then at forty-eight, a guy like Emmanuel Forbes is somehow still on the board. You've got an opportunity to get two
2: top-flight corners. Do you pull the trigger on it? I do. I don't think that there's. I don't think it's off the table. No doubt. know I I think that for. I think it would depend on you pair Forbes with. I mean, Forbes is only about one hundred eighty pounds. And I think that maybe if you grab Porter, who's a bigger corner uh, and a, and a real physical guy, you have the opportunity now to pair him with a standout man-to-man cover guy. I mean Forbes, he's got long arms, he can run, he's going to be a good a good cover one guy. The Steelers are increasingly playing more and more cover one. Um, you know, he's he's slight, he's he's tall, he's he's six one, but he's only about one hundred and eighty pounds, and so he's probably got to put some weight on if you're going to pair him up against some of the league's more physical receivers. That's why I think it would it would depend on who you've acquired uh, to, to pair him with. That would be an awesome uh, one, too, down the road to have Porter and Forbes. And it would be really valuable, too, to draft two high-profile corner prospects while Patrick Peterson's on the roster because Peterson has already signaled that he's willing to be a mentor to some of these younger guys and for those younger guys to be able to learn from a guy like Patrick Peterson and and take in some of his valuable experience and the lessons that he can impart would be huge. So again, I don't think anything really is off the table and I think Forbes is an intriguing name, you know, and if they don't land a corner early, then you've got Forbes in that 48 spot. That would make a lot of sense.
1: Who are Terrell Edmonds's of this draft? And the reason I say that, because we've talked for years that Terrell Edmonds, if he was a second or even a third round pick, would have been one of everybody's favorite Steelers. But the fact that he went first round, a lot of people always added disappointment to his name. I don't agree with that, but that's something that is definitely true that has happened because of that. So who would be the overdrafted?
2: Well, the, well, I'll stay in the safety area. I mean, the one guy whose name is is starting to be kicked around a little bit at 17 or, or, or even in the first round is Brian Branch from Alabama, the safety from Alabama, who I think is a really good football player. But I don't know if he's the kind of guy who makes an impact that I don't want to say justifies being a first round pick, but in your first round picks, you want – splash players. And that, that's really what the problem that Terrell Edmonds faced in, in that he was not a splash player. He was he was a great core guy who who was very useful and valuable for the Steelers, but he didn't make obvious impact. He didn't make standout plays or sports center type plays. And I think that Brian Branch might be a guy like that who might who might just be, you know, coming from that Alabama program. He's going to be fundamentally sound. Uh he's going to be smart, but he's not going to be spectacular. And and that there may be some fans who who get wind up disappointed with a player like that because of all the reasons we just stated, and yet he may go on to be a really solid football player.
1: All right, let's uh, go back to what we were originally talking about here, the reshaping of the roster for the Steelers and the moves that they've already made. You talked about the significant moves of Patrick Peterson, Isaac Sayamalo. If you look at your list of whether who has departed or who has arrived, where else is their major significance? And in fact, can you give me
2: one of each? Okay. So we've been talking about things that I think are widely perceived as fairly obvious needs for the Steelers, the offensive line, the corners, the linebackers. But when I look at the list of, of signings and departures, two things jump out at me. And, and, and that that's the following. I will not be shocked now if the Steelers spend a high pick. And by a high pick, I mean one of their first three picks: 17, 32, 48, on either a tight end or a wide receiver. And and the reason is as follows. When you look at what they've done with the tight ends, they re-signed Zach Gentry. Um, and 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 they seemingly have a complete tight end room. You have Pat Fryermuth. As your starter, you have Gentry as your blocking tight end. You've got Connor Hayward as kind of your hybrid guy, your H back. But but the, the the signing of Tanner Muse today and his contributions on special teams may make Derek Watt expendable, and you could use Connor Hayward, who's got running back experience in college and who and who the Steelers handed the football to on several occasions last year, in the Derek Watt role. If you wanted to essentially say, "Hey, look, we're not really that comfortable with the with the notion of Pat Fryermuth, who's had several concussions already, of him going down, and now our tight end room is is Gentry and Hayward, and there's a couple really good tight ends high on the board who are probably going to go somewhere in that area between 17 and and in the 30s somewhere." Uh, I was <laughs> I was at a, uh, at, at my daughter's dance thing the other day or whatever. And she was not dancing at the time. And I didn't really feel like watching a bunch of five-year-olds dance. So I rolled through about 50 uh, mock draft simulations, right? On those, on those <laughs> mock draft simulators. It's a great way. And a totally oh. addictive way. It feels like playing the slot machines, you know, like you're yeah. just like, you know, you watch the names speed by and then you see what you're left with or whatever. Uh, but anyway, I ran through about 50 of them and I would say, Honestly, on more than half of them, uh, either Darnell Washington, the, the big six-seven tight end from Georgia, or Michael Mayer, the consensus number one tight end from Notre Dame, were available at number 32. And if the Steelers got to 32 and one of those two guys were available, I would not be surprised if they picked one. We talked on last week's show about how the addition of Glenn Thomas, the new offensive assistant who many people believe is going to help Matt Canada coordinate the passing game who the Steelers just brought in um, from Arizona state is, is a huge big personnel guy. He loves multiple tight end sets and he likes to move the tight ends all over the board. I'm not sure how much impact he's going to have, but again, when I look at, when I add all these things up, it will not surprise me if the Steelers select a tight end uh, fairly high. I kind of think that they very
1: well could, too, because of all of those things that you just said. There's another guy, Dalton Kincaid, that is is you know, getting a lot of play right now as well. I think the, uh, the tight end position has been greatly revolutionized, especially by one Travis Kelsey in the last 10 years, where that's uh, just more of a weapon at this point. And I think it's let me ask you this. Do you think it's, you know, less prohibitive? Well, they block.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the Steelers recognize that uh, that you need obviously your tight ends to block, but the Steelers do it differently than a lot of teams. They they block the edge with a whole bunch of different guys. They they use the H back to block the edge. They use receivers more than most teams to block the edge. The Steelers love bunch sets, and in those bunch sets, those condensed formations, your your wide receivers now are are all the way down on the edge of the line of scrimmage, and uh, it's it's not uncommon to see the Steelers ask them to chip a defensive end, or if the Steelers run a zone play to motion a wide receiver into the box and have them block back on the, on the backside defensive end. I mean, you're not asking guys to, to move defensive linemen off the ball. You're really just asking them to get in the way, right? Impede their path to the football just to, to give the back enough time to find a hole in the A or B gap and get up in there. So so while the Steelers need their tight ends to block, like every team needs their tight ends to block, they don't need them. They don't need them to be Zach Gentry type tight ends, and that's why I think it's interesting, right? You have Gentry for a specific reason. Everybody, a tight end like that will always have a role as just a people mover, but more so, it's the Pat Fryermuth uh, model that is is the most valuable in the league right now. Which you know, which brings it to the receiver position because we're talking about the Steelers utilizing receivers when you look at the comings and goings this off season, uh, they, you know, the Steelers have, have lost Steven Sims and they're getting Calvin Austin, the third back, but, but it's hard to say exactly what you have there because you just don't know uh, Deontay Johnson is entering the last year of his contract. And beyond that, there's not a lot in the receiver room. George Pickens looks like he's going to be a stud, but if Deontay Johnson were to leave after the season, where would the Steelers be? at wide receiver. They'd be extremely thin. And so the other spot, so maybe they, maybe they don't go for a tight end high. Maybe instead they target that wide receiver position. And that's just something with, there's a long history of the Steelers taking wide receivers high in the draft. And it's something that they believe that they're, that they can do, that they do well. They develop these guys well. And, uh, and it just seems to be like they get, you know, they don't bring a lot of guys back on a second contract. So, if if in that thirty two spot, right, or that forty eight spot, or hey man, maybe it's maybe it's seventeen, maybe it's maybe it's the Addison kid who who some of the some of the fans want them to bring him home, whatever. But uh, I would I would put some money on the fact that the Steelers are going to use one of those three picks on a wide receiver.
1: Yeah, I really think that they're going to as well. So that's something very interesting. It's it's really cool how they are shaping this roster. And how everything is looking as well. Now, let me just turn real quick. You know the the rest of the division is something that we're going to look at, and I want to do a programming note before I get into this. You're doing a show call sheet, and if you're talking about one of uh, one of the other teams, we're going to go ahead and put them on other FFSN feeds and so everybody else can talk about them. For me, I want to pay attention to what the Bengals are doing. I want to pay to what the Baltimore Ravens are doing, the Cleveland Browns are doing as well. So our very own Jeremy Betts and Andrew Wilbar are doing their, their, own, their own breakdown of each division. So there's going to be eight separate shows. So there's going to be an opportunity to check out those shows as well that they do to see what these other teams are doing, because it also makes watching the draft so much more significant. If you know what the other teams need. And even if you're just looking to see who the Steelers are going to take, because I know when, if you want a quarterback last year, we're looking, okay, what's Carolina going to do at number eight? What's uh, we looked at all those, those quarterback needy teams last year to see who was going to fall if one of those guys was going to fall to Pittsburgh. And when none of them went off the board, you knew you were going to get a choice of one or two because a couple of guy, teams in front of you did not need a quarterback. So that's something that we definitely are going to look at. So check out those shows, check out Kevin shows. Um, there's so many opportunities. So check out fans for sports network for that and check out that NFL feed. There's going to be so many opportunities to uh, hear all of this stuff, and I'm on all of these shows because I'm more in tune than ever, and I thought I was in tune, but now that we have all these opportunities to listen to different voices, it's absolutely fantastic. But one of the guys I want to talk to is the Ravens made a significant move this week, and that significant move was not Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton was a the guy they were talking about trading for, and it almost happened, and then the Broncos decided to hold off on it. But they bring in a very polarizing name. They bring in Odell Beckham Jr. We've seen this movie before in the division with the Cleveland Browns. It ended up not to be the horror movie that we thought it would be. Is, does it have a chance to be Saw
2: too, though? KT <laughs> Saw Two, uh, the Saw the Saw series, man. I mean, as a Steelers fan, if it became Saul Two, I would get the popcorn out and and enjoy it. Uh, and it may be because I I don't know what they're doing in Baltimore, but to be quite honest with you, I mean they 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 got rid of Greg Roman as their offensive coordinator, and I think a lot in in large part because they just didn't. Didn't ever find a way to really be able to push the football down the field, and create explosive plays. They, they, you know, they were great at churning out uh, long drives in the run game, but they they didn't create uh, enough explosive plays to score a lot of points. Something, by the way, the Steelers have to get better at. You know, one of the great fun facts about the Steelers this past year was that they they led the league in in time of possession per drive over the final ten weeks of the season, yet were you know only around 18th or 20th in, in points throughout that time, which meant that they were holding the ball for a long time, but they weren't scoring points. Uh, they couldn't finish drives. And in order to finish drives, you need to create explosive plays, and, and Baltimore couldn't do it either, and that's largely why uh, Greg Roman's gone. But they brought in Todd Munkin, who's, uh, who's been a, uh, he's a, a longtime coaching veteran, he spent a couple years as Georgia's offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. He's an old-school guy. He is a uh, he's a, a tough kind of in your face, uh, just a, just the kind of guy who 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 isn't taking any any garbage from anybody. And in the midst of the Lamar Jackson drama, where Lamar Jackson seems to kind of want things to be a certain way, and with the addition of Odell Beckham Jr., who uh, isn't exactly uh, the most, you know, he's he's not a guy who's going to sit back and 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 just say yes, sir. Uh, it'd be very interesting to see what, how that all works from a chemistry standpoint. And then what, what's Todd Munkin want to do? I don't, I don't really know what he wants to do with that offense. You don't even know who the quarterback is right now. Uh, you have to think that acquiring Beckham is an overture to Jackson to try to bring him back. But if you bring Lamar Jackson back, are you remaking the Ravens offense? When you look at what Georgia did in their offense, that's a pro style offense. They were, a lot of play action and, and move the pocket and, uh, and a quick short passing game. Are you, are you trying to fit Jackson into that style? A, a team that hasn't created a lot of explosive plays, does Eldo Beckham get frustrated with that? The Ravens, who have been very much like the Steelers for a long time, stability, you know, culture, those types of things, are being kind of un-Raven-like in the way that they've gone about things over the past few months. So I will be fascinated to see how that plays out because honestly, hey, maybe it all goes well for them, but it yes, as you said, it could be salt too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you like that. I,
1: I that just <laughs> popped off my head. Well, very good Kevin, it's going to be a very productive week in all of the NFL as everything leads up. Dave Schofield was talking the other day about the down period two weeks before the draft, but I don't think it's going to be as down. I don't think Dave thinks it's going to be as down as it normally is as well as everything continues to move. It feels like the NFL to me is way different than it was just
2: three years ago. The NFL is brilliant. In, in its ability to market itself and stay relevant, even, even something like the sale of a team, the commanders are on the verge of being sold to a new ownership group. And, and that has managed to become a major headline and a major story. There's lots of, it, it was leading the the news uh, shows last night. I mean, not just the sports shows, but it was, it was on like world news tonight on ABC and, uh, because uh, you know Daniel Snyder was a polarizing figure and and the Commanders are are a a relevant franchise they've had plenty of drama recently they're out of they're a big media market uh they sold for a, or expected to sell for a massive price tag somewhere in the neighborhood of about 6 billion dollars the biggest sale of a of a sports franchise in American history and And that that's all newsworthy. So, so even if you go into this sort of like two week down period where everybody is kind of good gets into their bunker in order to get their draft board straight, the NFL continues to make headlines. It's a brilliantly marketed league.
1: You know what? Sometimes I feel like Roger Goodell is like Vince McMahon. He might be like, okay, let's hold that storyline. Hey, give me about four or five days, Daniel Snyder on this and to go ahead and then we'll run it then, or he's just like Jeff Hartman with running our, uh, running our network and uh, running the articles, running the the podcast. Okay. Let's hold this for then. Let's go ahead and put that out. Then we want to put what sells here, you know, so uh, definitely there's always a method to it. And I think Goodell's really good with it. Would this be as big of a story if it was the Minnesota Vikings or
2: the Los Angeles chargers doing it? No, I think the I think the Snyder aspect of it makes it juicier. He certainly has been a villain of sorts, and is a guy who I think most of the owners will be happy to move on from. Uh, other, I don't know, maybe maybe I should take that back. The Eagles and the Giants and the Cowboys may have enjoyed having him around because he always yeah. seemed to get get in his own way. Uh, but for the reputation of the league, it, there's just been a lot of ugly stuff that's gone down in Washington. So but but that's what what a Snyder type figure polarizing as he is, is good for the news cycle. So so no, had this been a, a well run and well operated Midwestern team that doesn't make a lot of headlines, then probably not. But it's high profile with a high profile owner. And so here we are.
1: A lot of people don't realize that that team plays their football in the state of Maryland. I'm a Maryland resident. I am not a fan of the Washington football team, the Washington commanders. I was not a fan of the Washington Redskins, but I always pay attention to them. And I always feel like I have a little bit of a kinship because I've got a lot of friends that follow them, kind of like you are with the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, so I kind yeah, of look yeah. at them that way. So this is kind of really big news to me because I kind of want Washington to be good. I I would like to follow them as a second team. And that's not fair. That's not jumping on bandwagon. That's not being fair weather. That's just the fact that, you know, they're around. I'm exposed to them and and they're not in the division. I mean, I'm really close to Baltimore, but it's a completely different story because they're in the division and there's there's a professional hate there. And that's okay. The Baltimore Orioles, I'm a Pirates fan. So I'm long suffering. Baltimore Orioles fans feel like they're long suffering, but they haven't suffered as long as the, uh, the Pirates fans have. But with that being said, you go ahead and look at it. I I'll root for the Orioles just for the fact that it's good for the area. And I, I'd like to see them do well. That's why I root for the, uh, Washington commanders now.
2: Yeah. So, uh, so as you're, as you're talking there, I, had an idea pop into my head. So we'll have to make a note of this, a a down the road podcast topic. If you couldn't root for the Steelers, what NFL team would you, would you root for if you, if you had to absolve yourself of any affiliation with the Steelers. So that, that could be a topic down the road.
1: Right. You know, we could have done that three weeks ago. That would have been perfect. So go ahead. Yeah. Mark that down. That sounds like a good, um, I don't know what the date's going to be, but that sounds like a good, like a May 17th episode. (laughs) (laughs) right or a a june uh the june June, uh, yeah june 30th episode so we'll have to do that but with that being said kevin let's get on out of here we're not going to do dude of the week because we're going to reserve that for like i think we're going to have a couple dudes of the week in uh two weeks from now so we'll just go ahead and reserve that for it no one's done anything completely significant in this part of the season to go ahead and you know, we can give it to omar khan every single week you know and there's no reason to do that right now so yeah, we'll just coming, make him no doubt. we'll just make omar honorary honorary for uh march and april he, he just gets the whole thing for right now absolutely guys killing it all right check out kevin smith on fans First sports network uh his new episodes drop every thursday at noon It is called The Call Sheet, and we were talking about it last night on the preview. So, Kevin, if you're not listening to that show, then you're missing out on us patting you on the back because I call it a clinic, and it really is a clinic. The guests are great. The content is great. Make sure you check it out. Make sure you check out behind the steel curtain on the editorial side. Make sure you check out. Steel Curtain Network, all of your Pittsburgh Steeler podcast needs. We cover everything, and a show I'm in love with right now is The Fix because they talk about something different with the draft every single week, so check out Jeremy Betts and Andrew Wilbar for that. There's so much going on this weekend. There's going to be new episodes of State of the Steelers, new episodes of the homies, a new episode of of the week that was and another episode of coach t coach mini t and kyle christ with the steelers sunday night q and a if you haven't watched that it's uh it's a great time so with that being said kevin you need to do one thing for me and you gotta promise pinky swear you keep your feet on the ground and
2: keep reaching for those hypocycloids